Thanks for listening to The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. Another day, another unknown. It could bring your biggest order yet or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary. Well, we have former SNL cast member and uh, writer, comedian, comedic actor Siobhan Fallon Hogan coming up very funny also the news as well first let me tell you about slumber cloud more than comfortable they utilize the most advanced bedding technology for a truly rested life patent patented I should say technology not found in any other bedding products to proactively manage temperature fluctuations through the night yes they make a great product I have the comforter it is, uh, there's nothing worse than, you know, getting cold or getting hot in the middle of the night. You wake up, you roll around, you need slumber cloud. The uh, technology was originally used in NASA spacesuits, so uh, you know it's the real deal. Slumber cloud, temperature regulating bedding products from uh, sheets to mattress pads can be found at slumbercloud.com. Save 10% on your purchase with our exclusive code Corolla. 10 slumbercloud.com save 10% with Corolla 10. And now a totally innocuous word that sounds dirty when Mike Dawson says it. Soaking. Ew. Let's get back to the Adam Corolla show. Siobhan Fallon Hogan has joined us. She has a new movie out called Rush. It's available in theaters as well as streaming on Apple and Amazon uh, coming up on Friday. Wrote, produced, and stars in the film. So uh, congratulations, Siobhan. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, full disclosure, I just watched a trailer, which was very well, very well done and riveting. I've not seen the whole movie. I think Gina I saw it. has I saw it. and Brian yeah, has as well. So we can, they can speak to it better than I. Um, but I know what a monumental undertaking writing and starring in and producing a movie oh my God. is. It's, 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 it's the lowest percentage thing you'll ever try in life, including, you know, walking on a tightrope across Niagara Falls. Seriously. And, and I've been to Niagara Falls. My <laughs> sister said to me, Siobhan, this is like, I'm from upstate, so they have really thick accents. Like, Siobhan, this is like having a baby. I go, Mary, this is like having quintuplets. <laughs> I had no idea what I'm getting into here. <laughs> like, we got to get to the finish line on Friday. But no, it's been a great experience. But wow, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So how does this start? Let's go through the process and then we'll get to SNL and many sure. other endeavors. So the deal was, is, you know, I've been an actress forever, 555,000 years, and I've done one woman shows over the years. About three years ago, I said, maybe we should do another one woman show. But, you know, doing one woman show, you go out afterwards, and, you know, you're not like it's not like fun where you're like, oh, wasn't that fun? When we did that scene because it's just you. So I thought, mm-hmm. well, I've been in this business long enough. I'll let me see if I can write a movie. So I write this movie and. Then I just basically called in all the troops of all the people that I've known from over the years. Robert Patrick plays my husband, you know, Robert from the Terminator. And um, I just called all my Perry Gilpin from Frasier, Jake Weary, who's like totally taken off in Animal Kingdom. Now, he he was in a a TV show. I was in. I was like, guys, I wrote this movie. So I said it to him. They're like, we're in. So but I had done three films with Lars von Trier over in Denmark. And so I said, I just been to um, the Cannes Film Festival with uh, Matt Dillon. I did uh, The House That Jack Built. Anyway, so I sent it over to the producers over there, and they they, they called me. They go, Schwann, we want to co-produce. And I was like, holy crap, maybe this is good. So anyway, so then I just went to all my friends who were high rollers, and I was like, how would you like to invest in a movie? <laughs> so, and then I put like, like, I don't even really know how to do Facebook or any of that stuff at that time. And I was like, hey, I'm doing a movie in town. I live in Rumson, New Jersey now. And I said, does anybody want to rent rooms for the crew? Well, literally people stepped up and they were like, we'll, we'll take three. Uh, and you know, you know, what film crews are like, it looks like, you know, the circus and they're the best people ever, but they're not like people from where I live. Either am I, by the way. So um, anyway, so it was like, it takes a village and we did this movie. It'll be two years ago, September 27th. And then thank God it sold. And now, you know, then COVID, you know, it was a little delay there. So now Vertical bought it. And now I'm like a dog and pony show helping like Vertical Entertainment's awesome. But um, 
not bought, but in addition, I said to them, <laughs> hey, can I get this into independence? So I'm literally on the phones calling around to people like getting into independence all over the country, as well as the major markets that Vertical's doing. Siobhan's one of many former SNL stars to go on to do Lars von Trier films. Yes. <laughs> the joke is Lars von Trier is a Danish director. It's very heady. That's a very high level. Yeah. <laughs> I always know that people are kind of sophisticated if they know Lars von Trier. I mean, by the way, I'm not in any way sophisticated, so I don't know how I ever worked that. But yeah, so I mean, isn't it actually Avi Kaufman, who's the casting director on this, she took a shot on me years ago. Because I was pegged as comedy only, you know, I'd done SNL. I don't even even like classic. I did Shakespeare in the Park, but I was playing Phoebe and as you like it. So she she called she said, Siobhan, there's this role. I think you could do it. And Lars was directing this dancer in the dark and ended up winning the Cannes Film Festival with Bjork. And, yeah. yeah, with Bjork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was up all night with my daughter, Bernadette, who's 26 and she was a terrible baby and. And she had an ear infection, so I was able to cry on command the next day, and I got the part. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, wait, whole question. Sorry, just following up on casting. A friend of the show, Phil Rosenthal, his daughter's in this movie. She's very yes. good. Is she someone you knew and reached out to, or did she just come up for casting? Oh, no. Okay, so Monica Rosenthal and I are best friends forever. There you go. And we were, lived in, we were at this law firm that we worked with. We had no skills. I was a receptionist. I got all my friends on board to be at this highfalutin law firm. Back in, you know, just when I got out of school and um, we were in New York making like two cents. And so I would get all my friends jobs. So I got Monica jobs. We met in an improv class. The Groundlings was in New York for about two seconds. And um, so I knew Monica before she met Phil. I mean, no, no, she knew Phil then, but they, were, they started dating before they were married. So Lily, I've known since she was a baby and Ben Rosenthal's in it, too. So I said, these guys, you know. Lily would be good to play my daughter because I needed like a girl that was kind of like hip and kind of like a, like a teenager that was kind of like, you know, really cool. And then Ben's a frat boy. So, yeah. So, oh. and my son's in it. My son's a frat boy. My daughter's a snotty sorority girl, <laughs> you know, so I knew they'd be perfect. <laughs> well, I, I got to say just right out of the gate of the movie, I was so, I, I don't mean to say it took me out of the world at all. It was just worth sort of noting and commenting the, the, one of the first scenes where the phone rings and it's early in the morning and that whole setup of like, talk about a slice of life. I mean, this has happened to everyone, but it seemed, I, I really felt I was a fly on the wall in somebody's actual house. I mean, your writing is so, and I mean this with the utmost respect, normal and relatable. Well, I really thank you for that, first of all. Okay, so I have three kids. And, you know, so Adam, you haven't seen it yet. Um, but so, you know, the mom's making the sandwiches. And, you know, the, every mother thinks, this is my time in the morning mm-hmm. to myself. But then, of course, you grab that last 10 minutes of sleep and you're all effed up for the rest of the day because you're like, shit, got off the rock and you're trying to make these sandwiches. And so she's saying the rosary and she's like, you know, and then she's like drops the F bomb. Then she's like, get up. So it's like literally the way I live my dysfunctional, (laughs) weird life. We live, we live, this is so embarrassing. Two and a half blocks from school. I would take my daughter, Sinead, who was, who plays the hippie and plays Jake Weary's girlfriend. She was kind of OCD. So she'd have to get to school early. And then I would circle back to get my son, Peter, who plays the bad boy frat boy, to take him at 740 before the bell no. rang. Inevitably yeah. late, but he could work the system. He knew how to like get in and get downstairs through a window. So this, basically, that's the way I live my life. You know, you have that that little minute or five minutes in the car before well, you slam your kids or I make them. I'm like, you better start praying or you're going to hell, you idiots. I know. I and love like, I love that she drops. Up, Sorry, sister. <laughs> No, Something. Okay. Uh, what, about, some... what about when I say, "Put your skirts down, girls. You look like hookers." Which, because my my oldest daughter went to Catholic school, and I was like, "You girls look like freaking hookers." I'm like, shut up, get out of the car. Anyway, something happened that didn't exist when I was a kid, which is we started listening to kids no. and and respecting their wishes. It's unfortunate because I got the same thing. Like my daughter wants to be driven to school, and my son walks to school. Which yeah. it's the same difference whether there's two kids in the car or one. She just wants I, to pass him and yell at him. I, I got to get up and drive him. Now, when I was a kid, it would just be like, no, go walk or do whatever you want. But yeah. we're not doing this. Like you would just so, say no. People just go no. We are the generation that our parents, at least I was, my parents were like, I, 
I was the worst athlete you ever met, but I did somehow get onto the JV. You know, you're a really bad athlete when you're a senior and you're on JV softball and yeah. you don't play. Right. And my, my mother came to one game. She had five kids and I saw her. She was a big reader and she was reading. And then she said to me after, Siobhan, do I ever have to do that again? I mean, <laughs> and people here, you know, they're like, my kid is great athlete. I'm like, look, you know, who's a good athlete in second grade. You just like, you can see the fast ones. You might as well say, Hey, listen, just forget it. You're not an athlete, but somehow we've created these monsters where, you know, they're like, what do you, Oh, this is another thing in my school with the parents dropping off the lunches from the local restaurant. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, horrors. I mean, I got peanut butter and jelly. I, I swear to the Holy Bible. Every single day and an archway oatmeal cookie for 18 years. Peanut butter not allowed in school. Uh, I I got oh. I got half of Nate Wittenberg's peanut butter and jelly because I didn't have my own. I got my best friend Judy Tennant. She was the youngest of seven. Her mother got to the point where she gave up because I would just eat all her dessert. So the, and she made these thing called Congo bars. They were like chocolate chip bars. So she'd always make two, but not just two, three, because I think it was funny to eat both of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think kids know the the age old technique of bumming things like we would bum food. Right. We were more pigeons than we were students totally. like sit around. There were the kids whose parents loved them, who were responsible, who made them a decent lunch. And then we would just sit next to them hoping like a pigeon, like they throw a scrap no, you, out and we'd grab it. You would know you'd stare them down and make it so difficult to enjoy it or that you'd steal some. I remember I had a friend, Joyce, and she'd get up to go to the bathroom. I'd like eat something of hers, like her chips or something. She'd come back and be like, and I'd be like, what? She's yeah. like, Seriously, do you eat my chips? I'm like, no, that's so weird. Why would I eat your chips? Same with my sister, Sheila. We, we had some form of potatoes every single night of my life in my house. There was, my mother would always burn the boiled potatoes and you'd hear the, the you'd hear it like, you'd hear like, damn, that meant the water boiled out of the pan and she burned the potatoes. But I love, we all love the potato skins of the baked potato. Oh yeah. And my, I'd always make it a mission for my sister, Sheila. She was the middle, she was, the third child, she was kind of fat, but now she's slim and I get fat. And she's like, now nah, see, because you mocked me for so long for being fat. Now you're fat. So, so I would take her potato skins and she'd be like, but she, I would, I could psychologically outsmart her and she would just start crying. Cause sometimes she would remember she ate it or I really did take it. I, uh, I remember <laughs> once my favorite dish was uh, mashed potatoes, but my mom would never make them because it took 20 minutes. So one day I got my mashed potatoes for dinner, but I also got into trouble and got grounded. And I remember just taking the pot of mashed potatoes to my room and just putting them between my legs with the wooden spoon and just eating the mashed potatoes right you, out of the pot. You are Oliver Twist. Yeah, Oliver Twist. Yes, very Oliver one Twisty. Time, one time my father, I hated spinach so much. And he's like, you will stay at this table until you eat your spinach. And I just sat there for like three hours. So I was like, there's no way that I'm eating this spinach. And we had this ugly green shag rug. And I would just like slowly just drop the spinach <laughs> into the rug. So it's just like mixed in. Smart. <laughs> Delight. So Adam, I got, I got to tell you, I got to tell you something too. Hmm. I know I read that you're a big boxer. Yes. Is that true? It, yes. it was true. Yes. So guess who my great uncle, my mother my mother, Jane, she was the best. She just passed. She was 96. Her uncle was Packy McFarland. Did you know Packy, the great welterweight, lightweight? Oh, his picture, what years his, would he have fought? Packy McFarland. Well, he died in 1936. No. So, but he, um, did you ever go to Bill's Gay 90s in New York City? Uh, I went to Bill's by 90s in the 2000s. <laughs> so we've that's upgraded so, from that's gay. So good. To... That's so now. That's so now. <laughs> Well, Bill's Gay 90 is actually closed, but there was all the boxers' pictures always up, and um, Packy McFarland's picture was there. Died at age 47. Yes. Well, he was Irish. A young, uh, yeah. Packy McFarland was Irish? Strictly <laughs> Irish, anyway. Yeah, there's nothing better than old boxing pictures. Yeah. He, and yeah, he I love it. Yeah. We're looking at him. That's a Packy McFarland. Looking at him uh, now. Yeah. Was he uh, was he a champion? Did you say he they said he won more fights than anyone and never was a world champion, but he had some 
you know, incredible record. He was a tiny little guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, we always kind of talk about a lot of Irish fighters and a lot of Italian fighters, a lot of Jewish fighters. You know, everyone fought back then. Everyone who was sort of fresh to this country fought back then. Here's something dated. He died of strep, a strep infection. Yeah. Yes. When we were kids, my mother was always like, it's not funny because, you know, if you got strep, I would always stop taking my pills after like three days. And she'd be like, Schwan. You can't drive a strap like Packy. <laughs> How did you get from this upbringing to SNL? Well, my father was literally hilarious, Bill Fallon, and he was one of 11 from Syracuse. And, you know, like most families really emphasize being smart. And so, like, I was not good in school at all because I was just really interested in making other kids laugh. And I really didn't pay attention. I'm sure I had some diagnosis of some sort. And so, um, you know, like I I remember one time I got a D in college in astronomy and my dad was like, Shimani, come on, like a D, that's 65%. Like, look at this pie, I had two pieces and I had two big pieces. There's 65% left. That's good. That's a good grade. So <laughs> but we were really like, it was really emphasized to be funny. So, um, and that's, that's what, that's what the whole, I mean, I had tons of cousins, like, you know, like we were the small family of five. So it was always like being funny was like the thing. So um, I went to New York. I went to Catholic University down in Washington, D.C. for my master's in acting, which was like paying money to learn how to breathe and pretend you're someone else for two years. And um, and so then I went to New York had no skills. And uh, I was going to quit the business. And my my father's like, why don't you get the hell home, go to law school at night and start a dinner theater? And I was like, but then this friend of mine who I gave, I got a job with at the law firm I was telling you about, she said, there's an improv comedy group. Why don't you audition? So just when I was really about to quit, I was really kind of down in the dumps. And, um, so my father was always like, yeah, you never down in the dumps. You had an unearned effervescence. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So anyway, so I, this one guy that directed the, um, one woman show I did. No, no. What am I talking about? I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, the, the improv comedy said, why don't you write a one woman show? So I did. And then I pretended I was my own publicist. And I went around to critics with a helium balloon and because it was around Halloween and a candy of a pumpkin that was like shiny stuff. And I was like, hi, I'm Siobhan Fallon's publicist. You should come to her show. And then I went like I had all my friends go to like TKTS and hand out these cards, you know, to come to my show. So anyway, reviewers came. I got a good review. Then I brought it out to L.A. and I rented out this little tiny theater. I had seven thousand dollars to my name that I earned. And I rented out this theater and I was teaching English as a second language to Japanese kids. at Wait, the time. Which theater did you rent? Um, it was uh, it was called. Oh, shoot. It was on Santa Monica. It seated. It was. Uh, remember, they used to have those ninety nine seats or left. Sure? Yeah. Equity waiver. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Isn't it? Because I'm, so I'm only asking because when I was at the Groundlings in between yeah. taking classes at the Groundlings, they'd have all these satellite classes. Oh, there were like the yeah. Cornet Theater and all these little theaters that were just spread out all tiny. over the place. Tiny, tiny little theaters. It, it was in. um Jeez, I can't remember. Was, I, I want to say it was like Santa Monica and Western, something around like there. And anyway, my entire audience was Japanese because I was teaching English. <laughs> they didn't know what the hell I was saying. But reviewers came. I got a good review. And then and then Saturday Night Live came. And they said, you have an audition. And Seinfeld came. Wow. And then I got on Seinfeld. To, so to like, the show know. that came to your one woman show? Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So How were the really nerves cool. that night? Like, I mean, did you know in advance SNL and or and or Seinfeld was coming? I I did. I did know um, Pam Thomas from who she was a casting person from SNL came and um, I knew she was coming. You know, I I was really lucky. I never really got that nervous. I was nervous. I'll tell you what. I was really nervous for the Saturday Night Live audition. Really nervous. But um I wasn't that nervous when in the audience. If I can kind of like hide behind a character, I'm not that nervous. Like I never did stand up. And that's a whole different, you know, that it's like, like I could never stand up and tell jokes, but if I can hide behind a character then I'm, I'm okay. What was the SNL audition like? So they flew us, flew me to New York. There was like 15 other girls. And in the audience, what's the cast? It was, you know, Dana Carvey and oh, Mike boy. Myers and Adam Sandler and Chris Farley and the, 
all NBC, but you know, you didn't care about the suits. I didn't know who they were. You cared about the cast. Mm. So, you know, you had like three minutes to do all these different characters. So I'd like a wig. And it was like, you know, like, like your bag of tricks. So it, it went really well. And afterwards we all went out. I became great friends with Chris Farley. You know, we're ba- basically exact same background, same humor. I mean, I would never say I'm as funny as Chris, but I'm saying, you know, we got, we totally related. And um, Adam Sandler is great guy. We still keep in touch. And Chris Rock, they were the new guys, you know, mm-hmm. they're like, Siobhan, 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 I think it's you. I think it's you. And I was like, holy crap. So um, they, they let us, you know, everything's nocturnal there. So early, early in the morning, they told us, and um, I called home. I called my mother and I said, put dad on the phone. And she's like, Shivani went golfing. And so anyway, I was like, mom, I got a Saturday night live. So I called up the golf course in Casanova, really from this little town outside of Syracuse. And I was like, is my father there? And they're like, no, Shivani's on the seventh hole. I go, you got to go get him. It's an emergency. So in he comes and he was huge. He looked like, he looked like Tip O'Neill. And they're like, what's going on, Shivani? I go, dad, I'm going to be on Saturday night live. He's like, out of sight, sweetheart. And he's like, guys, my daughter's going to be on Saturday night live. All right, dynamite, sweetheart. I got to go back. I got to get back out there. <laughs> and, he, and he hangs up. <laughs> the, uh, as I was telling my audience, I think uh weekend and a half ago, I was hanging around with Jim Farley, which is Chris Farley's cousin, I guess. He's the CEO and the president of Ford Motor Company. Wow. He looks just like Chris Farley. Oh, wow. Uh, There's a resemblance. Well, it's Chris Farley if Chris Farley raced cars and ran Ford versus, you know, stayed up with hookers all night. But they look exactly the same. They both have the same the same energy and everything. Um, we'll see if we can get you a picture of that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. He looks like him in the face. Wow. And he, so much. he's a Farley, except for he's the president of Ford Motor Company. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I got to tell you, Chris Farley, he was the greatest guy. And, you know, when his memorial, you would have expected some like celebrity to get up and talk about him. But this guy was a shut in. Chris used to visit the shut ins and bring food to them. He was like he was like a little saint Mm -hmm. with a terrible addiction problem, you know, and I, I credit Chris for listen. I was a little too much for guys. You know, I talk too much. As you can tell, I have a little, I can't stop talking. So um, I like this guy, Peter Hogan, my husband now, who lived a block from me. So we'd go out after the show. I'd be like, Chris, I really like him. And he's like, come on, let's go. And we'd go and we'd buzz the buzz. We'd be like, Peter, wake up, you fat bastard. And Peter, Peter played rugby and played New York rugby. And so did Chris was a big rugby player. He's like, get out of bed. It's time for a scrum down. And so Peter would inevitably let us in. And if it wasn't for Chris, I never would have met Peter. I mean, Peter, Peter would have really liked me because kind of, I kind of forced my way in through Chris. Yeah, that's interesting. The put people together gene which yeah. um, Jimmy Kimmel has that mm-hmm. gene. He's like, you should meet this person. I'm going to put you guys together. So he does. He like assembles mm-hmm. people. It's like human Lego land or something, but it's actually, it's really the kindest thing you can do. It's just you, you hear about somebody and you go, you need to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. You guys would love each mm-hmm. other. I'm going to facilitate that. I do that. I totally match make people. I think you have to be really blunt and be like, look, you guys should meet. you guys would get married. You can't just like be like, you might like each other. You got to like, just get right to it. Yeah. And, you know, circling back to being a, uh, a student and maybe thinking you had some sort of disability that would have been diagnosed by today's standards. But think about it. I was the same horrible student, but th- think about really what you're asking people to do. You're taking kids with a sense of humor, mm-hmm. not oh. all of them, but some had a sense of humor and you're taking 13 year olds and 14 year olds all I want to do is be running around, getting someone in a headlock, jumping oh. off a roof into a swimming pool, riding a dirt bike or something. And you're putting them into a classroom with no air conditioning. And you're oh. saying, sit there silently while this 63-year-old loser pontificates about the Civil War. How could you not have that reaction? Listen, I told you I have three kids. My son is hilarious. I, I swear to God, the, the discipline guy had my number on speed dial every Friday. Sharon, it's Mr. Sarles, really nice guy. Peter, um, 
today. There's a girl who's very upset. Peter didn't learn one thing in school, in school but he did learn what a Punnett square was, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, that is, if you have enough of them, your hair color becomes something. <laughs> and he called, he, she had a boyfriend that was gi- a ginger, you know, red hair. And he's like, she told... <laughs> Peter told the girl that if he if she marries the boy, she's going to have ginger kids. I was like, do you know what color my hair is? <laughs> right. It was so ridiculous. You couldn't do anything funny. And of course, I thought everything was funny that, that my son did, which was not good. I remember they called me in junior year and they're like, I had to meet like it was like a firing squad. Like everybody was there. They're like, there's three weeks to go. And Peter has a 24 average in math. Now, if P that doesn't bring it up, he's going to have to go to summer school. And I'm like, over my dead body, am I driving this freaking kid to summer school? Because it wasn't even close by. So I say, because it strikes me really funny. I'm like, because the more serious they thought it was, the funnier I thought it was. And I was like, okay, okay. So I understand that. And the head of the department was not only the head of the math. She was math and science. So talk about not relate, right? Right. So she's like, no humor. And I said, is there any way he could maybe do some extra credit? And she's like... Like, what do you think? There's three weeks to go with a 24 average. I mean, this kid is this kid is screwed. So I go, so she says, like what? And I said, like, I was thinking if he could do like a poster of a decimal. <laughs> and she, they look at me like, no wonder the kid's a jerk. The mother's a jerk too. And I go, I don't, I go like, think of it like modern art, like just a dot. It could really like maybe teach the younger kids what a decimal was. <laughs> well, I swear to God, they just started like padding his grades because they just wanted him out of there. Uh-huh. Like, we don't want to deal with her. Deal with the mom again. <laughs> well, yes. was going back to, so this, my movie rushed with the four kids in it. The mother is a helicopter mother. And we, you know, we have these bizarre things with the, with the, with the cell phones where we, where you contact these kids constantly. And the mother gets in the car and she's like, call your brother. And the kids are like, mom, it's weird. And, but she's harasses the kid about this fraternity pledge. And that's just a weird thing too, that you're like able to get a hold of your kid in college and be like, are you there? You learning the pledge? Are you up? What are you doing? Are you safe? You know, it's like this bizarre culture that we're in. Well, and there's no and that's why it was so realistic, because it's not setting her up as a two dimensional like, oh, she's the worst. She's a nag or oh, she's so sweet. She's both. She's trying to help him. She knows this is important to him. She tells him what words to punch. She cares, but she's she's driving him insane. Yeah, well, I think that. I mean, I think the movie really works. We're getting like a lot of good reviews and everything, which I'm so insanely grateful for because when funny people have really sad things happen to them, when this kid's in this fraternity hazing incident, it's so sad to see funny people be crushed, you know, and how do they handle it? And, and in the movie, you know, she prays her career end off, but she swears while she's doing it. And when, when the tables turn, that's what gets her through is her humor and, and her faith, you know, I mean, not to be icky, but but that's the that's the truth. Hey, Siobhan, can you uh, hang out with us and do the Absolutely. news with us? I would love to. All right. First, let me hit uh, Tommy John Apollo. Tommy John's newest and most advanced men's underwear performance grade dry release fabric blend exclusive to Tommy John. You can't get it anywhere else. Just Tommy John Apollo men's underwear proven to keep you drier and up to seven degrees cooler than regular cotton underwear. No sticking, no chafing. Soft, supportive, stretch, fit for the perfect fit every time. Available in sizes up to 4XL. Over 15 million pairs sold. Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. I'm wearing mine now. Once you get into the Tommy Johns, you will not go back to what you're currently wearing. I promise you that. And the t-shirts, socks, everything as well. Loungewear. All Tommy John underwear, by the way just like the new Apollo, comes with the best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee, right, Dawson? Right now, get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Adam. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Adam for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Adam. See site for details. All right, Siobhan, hang out. We'll uh, take a quick break. Come back with the news right after this. The Jordan Harbinger Show. Well, we love Jordan Harbinger. He's been on the show a few times. He's, uh, it's a different kind of uh, sponsor for this show. The Jordan Harbinger Show is a wide range of fascinating topics and heavy-hitting guests, like a hostage negotiator from the FBI who gives uh, techniques on how to get people that 
trust you, or cinematographer discovered a lost city in the jungle. Jordan, uh, the Jordan Harbinger show, I should say, Apple named it one of the best of 2018. You always find something useful to apply to your own life, not pop psychology. Jordan is the real deal, speaks a bunch of languages, has been in a lot of hairy situations around the world, lays a lot of knowledge on you. We enjoy the show, and uh, I think you will, too. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show, that is H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Give me the news with Grad, news with Gino Grad, breaking viral, weird crime protest politics. Give me news with Gino Grad, stuff they saw on TMZ, Joe Biden, Kamala, big news with Gina Gino Grad. The News with Gina Grad. The New York Post reports that disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo has gone down fighting using his farewell ad- address to defiantly declare his treatment as unfair, slam the attorney general's report alleging he sexually harassed staffers as an orchestrated political firecracker. It was a super long speech. I'm going to spare you 90, I don't know, 9% of it. Here's the first 90 seconds of Cuomo's farewell speech. To share some thoughts with you that I've been thinking about over the past few days. There will be another time to talk about the truth and ethics of the recent situation involving me. But let me say now that when government politicizes allegations and the headlines condemn without facts, You undermine the justice system, and that doesn't serve women, and it doesn't serve men or society. Of course, everyone has a right to come forward, and we applaud their bravery and courage in doing so. But allegations must still be scrutinized and verified, whether made by a woman or a man. That is our basic justice system. I understand that there are moments of intense political pressure and media frenzy that cause a rush to judgment. But that is not right. It's not fair or sustainable. Facts still matter. A firecracker can start a stampede, but at one point everyone looks around and says, why are we running? The truth is right. ultimately I've seen always... Enough. I have a couple thoughts. One is I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with the American sign people that yes. are in the corner. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, do they have sign interpreters, American sign language people, for somber occasions? Mm-hmm. Do they have the victorious mm-hmm. one? Do they have the Sassy. one where he's he's proclaiming victory over COVID and has a well, new book out? At a concert for song lyrics, they'll get yeah. into his, his contact. I was just going to tell you, I guess. Yes, Kaylin, sh- can you find the... Uh, I'll, I'll send yeah, you. there should be the bad news sign yes. person. You know, it's the person that has the right look, the right tone facially. Yes. You no, know, moving in a way. Then there's a the celebration. It's just like when they show the pictures of the person, like accused of mol- molestation. They have they don't they're not smiling. <laughs> they have the they have the frowny face right. picture. Here's another rule that I would go for. Tell me if you guys would go for this rule. Cuomo puts, you know, everything's loaded into the teleprompter these days. Right. Tell me if you would like this rule for any politician or anybody who has to do the, you know, farewell speech or or any speech of any kind. Either we can load it into the teleprompter and you can just stick to the script and go verbatim. But you have to do three shots of Jaeger. Ooh. Or. Go on. No shots, but you got to wing it. You know what I mean? Like, get the beats down and just kind of stick with the beats. But we're not going to have this whole thing rolling in front of you. You do the three shots of Jaeger and you can have it scripted or you can be sober and speak from the heart. I love this. Both good ideas. Yeah. Really good. I would watch. I would, yeah, I, I like the idea of them having to do it on the fly, but yeah, three shots of Jaeger 
That would be good, too. Because the three shots of Jaeger would, A, make it a little tough to get through the prompt, but there'd be a lot of sidebar. They're oh. like, many women have come together, like Allison, that bitch. Like, I'd touch her. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Jesus Christ. Rather touch a family member. Anyway, and they'd go back to the script. That's real you know? good. Um, by the way, his guy, you know, we've seen his ASL guy, does he not look a lot like Tom, uh, Tom Cruise, Ted Cruz with a beard? Put him I back guess. up. We have he to looks look so him. much like Ted Cruz. It's, it's hard because his postage stamp is That's so true. It helps. So small. Um, uh, by the way, New York Post also reports the Cuomo's hired private movers, two U-Haul trucks, to cart his personal belongings to his sister. Do you know who his sister's married to? No. So she's Maria Cuomo Cole. She's married to fashion designer mogul Kenneth Cole. Oh, yeah. So all his stuff's getting shipped over there. Wait, am I still on? You yes. are. I got to tell you guys something. Please. My daughter is Bernadette Hogan, who is all just was made Albany Bureau Chief for the New York Post. She's 26. She broke the nursing home story. She wrote that U-Haul story. What? She has, she, has th- she had three covers the week Cuomo stepped down. Wow. Yeah. She's 26. She's a little pit bull. No kidding. So you know, like our during, minds. You know, when, you know, during COVID when he'd be like, Bernadette, she was a little, she's only five, two. She'd be right in the front. And um, yeah, so she 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 lived up in Albany and she interviewed those people from the nursing homes whose parents were stuck in there. And she broke that story. And then she just talk about a little Irish fighter like Packy <laughs> McFarland. So so they just made her Albany bureau chief at 26. <gasps> wow. All, oh my those, God. all those stories. The U-Haul story is hers. Um, yeah, she's unbelievable. So Cuomo hates her. Why? What? Listen, I don't know about that, but let's just say. I don't think he'll be coming to her um, bureau chief celebration party. Oh, my God. Bureau Actually, chief at 26. Imagine that. No. She, she, yeah. She, she got out of Marist College and um, she went to New York City and she worked for nothing. She interned for New York One and she didn't like New York wow. because she's a horseback rider and she liked the outdoors. She made me move from New York City when she was seven. She's like, why are we living in New York City? I'm like, so we moved to New Jersey. I was like, why are we living in New Jersey? So anyway, we literally, I literally sacrificed my entire life for this freaking kid. <laughs> then she, so she, go, she didn't like New York. She goes up to Albany and she like was, you know, reporting on fires and stuff like that. And then the New York Post, she was 23 years old. They wanted this guy that she was working with who was like a big deal, like 45, but he was on TV. And he's like, no, but there's this kid, Bernard Hogan. And I think that she's, She's something. So she, she never had a book out of her hand. She's nothing like me. Like she's, she's well-read. And my aunt Beth Fallon wrote for the daily news, which is weird too. Like she had her own column for years, long and short of it. She goes in with this big editor and he's probably thinking, what the heck is this kid doing here? So she, she, she he says, um, Bernadette, could you tell us why you think that you should be given a job at the New York post? And she's like, well, um, now my husband's family is from the village in New York. They own the white horse. Tavern. She's like, well, my dad is, um, his family owned the White Horse Tavern and they ran it. And my mom is from upstate. We moved to New Jersey. So I think I really resonate with the tri-state. <laughs> Frick! <laughs> so they brought in all the other editors and she got the job. She was a nervous wreck. And I said to her, I said, Bernard, let me tell you something. She was so nervous at first. My husband was like, listen, Bernard, just go for like a little one inch, one inch article. I was like, no, listen, screw that. I got, I got to Saturday night live and I felt lucky to be there. I was like, don't think you're lucky to be there. You deserve to be there. I said, you go for it. I said, stop thinking about it. Like everybody, thousands and thousands of people reading your articles, pretend it's high school. I go, you were a great writer in high school. You're a great writer in college. Just go for it. One week later, she had a cover. Oh my God. Wow. Was that the yeah. nursing home situation or is that another story? Uh, no, you want to know what the first cover was? Yeah. De Blasio making the grocery stores have plastic, get rid of the plastic bags. Big right. story, mm. national story. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then, and then she, you know, she worked hard and then, then <laughs> COVID, you know, she was in the right place at the right time. Then this is crazy. She's always had kind of good luck. She was supposed to go down to New York city because no one knew that Cuomo was going to spe- step down. So the attorney general, she did not let leak that in any way. Burnett was on her way down to New York to do a door knock. And you guys probably know being, you know, in the business, that's like, it's kind of a scary thing for a kid. And, you know, not, not that she's a kid, but you have to go to the door and say, can I get a quote? And, you know, they could be like, you know, it's New York. You could get, you could get killed. <laughs> so I'm like really worried. And they said, get to Long Island. Letitia's going to break this. So there she was front and center. And then she had three covers that week. 
Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. And she's she's been on like MS, like all shows, all TV shows. And you just have to see her because she's like, I do an imitation of her where they go, Bernadette, so um, can you tell us about, you know, like, they're like, did he ever harass you? And she's like, right. So I'm a journalist and my job is to, and she, she will not, she can, but she always starts with right. And she, knows, she does that play politics. She just tells the story and that's it. Wow. That's uh-uh. something. Yeah, that's your niece, your daughter. That's my daughter. Oh Jesus! Sorry, I got uh, the two. <laughs> the, just, the last name's no, no, got two. The the, la- the last. It's the hyphenated last name that got it's, me. It's because my husband. Up. My husband, like I said, he was a real New Yorker. The family of the White Horse Tavern, that, and, he, and he's like, you know, when these kids are little, my my poor mother. She never had a chance to read us a book. There was too many of us. The poor woman never had a garden. So we had three <laughs> kids. So he would literally read my daughter Shakespeare, and I'd be like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> put the Shakespeare away. She's two or three. I hate this. Then he made me take her to French class in New York city. When we had a place out in breezy point, New York, that was like all cops and firemen. I used to have to drive her to French class in New York city. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God. And I'm so embarrassed because it worked. (laughs) He he'd be like, we're going to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I I would literally be like, can we please leave? It's so hot. I'm so hungry. Can we get a bagel? And he'd be like, no kids, this is Renoir over here. Now, if you watch the brush strokes, this is what it is. Okay? <laughs> Look at the way. So she she absorbed everything like sponge, and 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 now she's you know whistling Dixie at the post. Unbelievable. Oh. Brian, did you have something? I, I have a tangential question because you made me think of it when you said that she starts every sentence with right, uh, and it makes you think of uh, Doctor Evil, right? You know, starting every sentence, and of course, Mike Myers was a not so loose, uh, you know, impersonation of uh, Lord Michaels. Well, did you recognize that when you saw it? Or did Mike Myers used to do that in the offices? I, I always heard, you know, apocryphally, everyone used to do a Lord Michaels. You know, um, they always did do Lord Michaels. I have to say, you know. People were always kind of hard on Lauren, like mock him. But I was like, what the hell? This guy gave us a huge opening and it was so great for like my career. You know, I mean, I was on there. I didn't do much at all. Chris Rock, Chris Rock used to call me judgy wudgy because whenever there was a judge, you're like, Siobhan, (laughs) you have a judge costume that fits Siobhan. And then like I was a sorority girl. I never really did that much. But, you know, the guy. I mean, let's face it, the show's been around forever. He's genius and it opened up so many doors, but people like love to mock him, which is funny. I, lo- I love, you can mock him with the best of them, but, um, and maybe I'm jealous because I never really could do imitations. <laughs> <laughs> I could do Catherine Hepburn, and that was it. Well, on a, on a personal note, I started watching SNL in 1990. I was, I don't know, 11 or 12. And oh. within a year, it was easily one of the most important things of my life. I mean, this is 1991. I'm putting VHS tapes and programming the VCR to record yeah. SNL, watching it the next morning. I'm 12 years old. And you were a big part of that season. You, you might say, I didn't do much. You did more than Chris Rock. Chris Rock was not very well used in that first season. So, you know, you, you, were, you were a big part of that cast. Uh, no, listen, I, I, like I said, there's stand-ups and then there's actors. And I, it was my dream to get on that show. And it was you know, it's every week. It's different. So you, you'd be in knots thinking, am I going to get on? Am I going to get on? So, but and it opened so many doors for me. and was just so, so lucky. Uh, and, and now with the, with the movie with Rushed, people, I've been had all these interviews and they're like, so interesting how you were a sorority girl on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> now you're writing about fraternity. That's Can right. you talk about that? And I was like, I wish I was deep and there was a connection, but there isn't. <laughs> uh, did we figure out if Cuomo's got this, if there's happy interpreters and morose interpreters and bad news? <laughs> did we news figure and that out? I, well, I think I, there should be. Before I rudely interrupted. <laughs> no, yes. I, I, to my knowledge, they, they just the one speed. But mm, remember, remember when, um, uh, who was it? it Lizzo was, or, what, uh, no. Um, oh, you're talking about Megan the- V. Oh, the stallion. Yeah. Yeah, if you could pull up that clip, that was amazing. But oh, yeah, WAP. The person who stole the show at every like COVID press release for uh for our state, for Newsom and Garcetti, it was this fabulous black woman who really stole the show and everybody loved her. She had so much personality, way easier to watch than Newsom. And yeah. it could sort of catapult you into a your certain a certain kind of stardom. 
All right, but we're down with my three shots of Jaeger. I love it. Or yeah. off script. I yeah. turned into the State of the Union for that. Yes, absolutely. Well, some good news uh, with FDA approval. Pfizer has been FDA approved for the COVID nineteen vaccine. The mRNA vaccine got an emergency use authorization in December. Of course, we know the full approval was expected. Officials uh, hope it will alleviate some concerns from hesitant people because a poll said that thirty percent of the people who haven't been vaccinated would be much more likely to get it if it got approval well we have it and though it doesn't actually change a lot legally many businesses were waiting for it so they could say so they could basically mandate employees to say you got to get this or you can't work here i don't i think it's going to be like you know you ask someone can you pick me up from the airport and they go i wish i could but my back's out Mm -hmm. And then you, if you sent a chiropractor to those people's homes and adjusted their back, and then you called them the next day and I go, how about that ride? They'd go, well, my front's out now. Like, I think people who don't want to get vaccinated were using the whole FDA, whatever. Most of these people are people that have probably bought like bootleg Tylenol with codeine or something from a guy in a park or something. Yeah, I. I say that we're saying that. I don't think I don't think we're going to get a spike a in vaccine. Boost. I do not. I, th- I think you're 100 percent right. It reminds me of when you, you made that great observation decades ago about um, the morning after pill and how when you know the the, the religious people are like, wait, oh, you know, no abortions, you know, no 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 um, birth control, whatever. Like, well, the morning after pill works different. This should solve all of our problems. Like, no, nah, we're still against it. Like, okay, what are you really against? Yeah, yeah, that's how. That's how they are. Well, Hobby Lobby makes a damn fine craft, but I'm wondering how it's going to work because they were one of the stores that said, you know, it's against mm-hmm. our religious beliefs. We're not including birth control in our employees' insurance. And I am curious what their vaccination stance is. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I've never seen a Hobby out. Lobby. I couldn't tell you what it oh, is. Oh, Joanne's Fabrics, Michael's. I, when you're doing all stores, your right? own wedding centerpieces, oh, I have been yeah. to every one of them. Yeah. Are there inflatable centerpieces? It's got to be. No. All right, then I'm out. Inflatable? You just buy like a chub pack of 80 and just hit them with the compressor and just put them right there. Yeah. You know, sprinkle a little baby's breath or something on there. It angel's ships breath. in a box this big. Uh, right. You get yeah. 80 of them, hit them, hit them with the tank, push it out <laughs> That's there. That's horrific. At the end of the night, you throw them in a, put a candle on them and put them in the pool. Give them a Viking funeral. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't no. know. Maybe it's not classy, but no, it's practical. This will be a classy affair. Um, some hot myambiolic news to piggyback on what we were talking about yesterday. She'll be the first guest host of Jeopardy. We're doing the guest hosts again. Thank you, Mike Richards. Now that he's stepped down, that's according to Hollywood Reporter, she's scheduled to tape three weeks. That's 15 episodes when production on the syndicated daytime show uh, resumes n- this week. Additional guest hosts are expected to be announced now that Mike is out. So we got to do this again. There was, what, like 11 or 12 guest hosts, and now we're going to go through the, uh, the whole vibe again. I, my thing with all this stuff was all you got to do is weather the storm for three news days mm. or by the way or or depending on the timing if there's god knows what goes down in afghanistan if someone True. starts shooting or something this story is so yesterday's news if you just just suck it up for one day or two days yeah, you know i don't know right. why everyone's apologizing and stepping down all the time same with the bachelor host and all this kind of just you ride it out for three days and we're done something's gonna happen in that time period you're right and if anyone should know that it would be executive producer of jeopardy mike richards like did yes. he tell himself to do it the only thing i don't understand is it's not like he's a household name we had aaron Rodgers wanted the job mayam bialik lavar burton all these people that we love and and coincidentally the ep suddenly names himself to is, host. But is Aaron Rodgers legitimately interested in the no gig idea. or is he just want to come, you know, get a first class flight yeah, out to wear Hollywood? Some glasses and, and a vest. Hobnob it a little bit. Probably. Because you know? I don't know who wants the job. I mean, LeVar Burton oh, probably sure. would have yeah. taken that gig. I don't know. It's 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 a forever. You're going to get par- compared to Alex Trebek and sure. you're not him. That's That's going to be the first decade of that job. But. It's a pretty sweet gig. And those shows, you know, if people just want to know schedules, uh-huh. some schedules are tougher than others. Like SNL is probably a tough yeah. schedule. Those shows you gang tape right. like four shows oh, right. on a Friday, like the game show. That's how you're. How do you think you get Alec Baldwin 
to host match game and all this kind of stuff because they back the fucking Brinks truck up to the house and they gang tape. And it's like, uh, can you work? You can't walk away from that. Can you work <laughs> nine Fridays a year for $13.7 million? Yeah, yeah I think I, I could pull that off. Yeah, you're absolutely off. right. Um I don't know if we have that uh, that sign language thing, but you you guys can oh. can Google it. The thing you said it made me think of though was you said you'll always be compared to Trebek, which is true. You're always going to be upheld to that standard of Alex Trebek, kind of like coming to the new cast on SNL. You know, it's like oh the new cast not as good as the last one. Well, maybe they will be. Right, maybe they'll be even better. All right, sorry, Gina. All right, um, something delightful happened on ESPN. Well, that's my opinion. I don't know if the two of you sports fans are going to uh, find it as delightful as m- the rest of America. But ESPN surprised viewers over the weekend with a little unexpected treat. After airing MLS soccer in the afternoon, ESPN switched and started airing corgi racing on their main channel. It <laughs> appears the race was a rerun of the corgi races at Emerald Downs Race Course in Auburn in Washington State. It was a first- lot of people. There. Oh, yeah. First broadcast in July. ESPN viewers were left baffled by turning this on and seeing it ultimately overjoyed this is the final heat the big winner let's watch the final heat of the corgi races corgi the flag is up and rye came flying off the mark to the right. the inside and chance chance (laughs) angus and angus has done it again angus a defending champion from 2019 he found a second wind so thank you, Angus. Thank you, ESPN. Must have been a very slow sports day. Who are the people that can do so much with their dogs? I, I have no My idea. dog got me, man. Just lays there, farts, and then rolls over. He doesn't move. He's I can, a service to no one dog. His name, the only thing he will He's recognize is the word treat. Right. Yeah. You can yell his name 35 times. He just looks at you. You know, Phil. Phil. Phil, you know, even with the mean voice, like, Phil, I'm serious now. He just looks at you, and then at some point you have to go, treat, and he'll go, okay, and it gets up, and he'll start moping into the into the house. But these people, they're showing their dogs, mm-hmm. they're racing. The greatest dog's the Lumberjack competition dog, where they're jumping off the, the logs, pier, yeah. the 22 feet, they yep. launch themselves off the end. I mean... Th- this should be an Olympic sport. It's awesome because they run and run and they jump and their legs like frozen in the air. They Ooh. they run down a pier yep. and it's usually labs, I guess, and then they just launch themselves off a pier that's about three feet above the water. And I don't know what the record is, 21, 23 feet. Like they <laughs> sail. I mean, that's a fucking dog. It's majestic. It's I can majestic. get behind that because it's not like circus animals with a, a bullwhip and a chair. These dogs are having fun. Yes. But but who are the people that have this much time to invest in the dog? Don't know. Do you ever have does anyone have the person in the neighborhood who's the super responsible dog walking their own dog? You know, they have a noise or a treat or a little they have a little uh, fanny pack mm-hmm. with some giblets in it or something and they're like stop yeah. at every curb and every intersection mm-hmm. and look and then if the dog starts walking they yank the mm-hmm. chain like who needs this kind of dominion over a pet <laughs> take yeah. the dog out you shit the dog you pick up the shit and you go back in the house you watch tv yeah that's your relationship <laughs> there's no reason to be fulfilled i forgot i know somebody whose mom is a uh champion frisbee like dog show oh, trainer with, sure with the frisbees <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> and Play the dogs are obedient and they're down and they're you know world-class performers but yeah i don't know where you find the time for that kind of thing the ultimate use of the dog is the frisbee guy who launches the frisbee and then gets down in the prone position oh, the dog, the jumps dog off his launches himself yeah. off he uses the guy like a pommel yes. horse and yes. launches himself for the frisbee that is awesome yes my, my yeah. dog i wait, watch this shoot him a treat Treat, come here. Treat. You got to get a load of this dog. She's so ugly. She's pretty. Come here. Treat. We're looking at a. The the funny thing with the dogs when he starts spelling things out. Yep. (laughs) Oh, look at that face. Oh, he likes. She'll only come to treat. So she totally relates. Wait, are we talking about like a husky chihuahua? It's like a corgi Siberian husky. That's literally. Okay. That's so funny, Jeannie, that you say that. So when we got her from the pound, um, you know, now people call it a rescue dog, but Uh I was like, this is a mutt. And, um, (laughs) This, the, my neighbor go. They they said 
what do you think she is? And I said, well, they told me they think she's husky and chihuahua. And, you know, I live in New Jersey. My neighbor goes, oh, my God, I don't want to think about that. (laughs) Yeah, you got (laughs) it. Painful for the chihuahua. I'm such a bad student that my son will go, uh, like, Phil will be sitting in the same room and I go, He'll go, should we give Phil a T-R-E-A-T? And I'll be like, hold on. We're a Let me get my phone out. Hold on. Let me see. Slow down. Do that one again. Phil's already figured it out. Phil is the funniest name for a dog. I know. We'll find a we'll find a good picture of his name is Phil E. Cheesesteak. Well hysterical. My dog is Trudy. Oh, I thought she sounded like like a Jewish woman from Florida that lived in a condo. I yeah, yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Siobhan, do you ever have anyone come up to you or have a mutt to and say, uh, tell you definitively or confidently what your dog is actually a mix Oh my of? gosh, all the time. That happens. Like, like oh. uh, we told someone else said doc as a dachshund Jack Russell. There's, no, no, that's a rat terrier. It's like it is. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a ratter. It's like oh okay, thanks. My, my son and his girlfriend are so obsessed with their dog that they had the DNA done of the oh dog. It was $300. God. And they found out it was 93% Shih Tzu. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. Well, do you guys Whoa. know what ESPN Ocho is? That's from the movie. No. Oh, what what is that? Oh, the Ocho is uh, from, uh, you guys saw Dodgeball. But it's real. It's a real thing now. The yeah. Ocho's real? That's it's where a you're real gonna channel. That's Cornhole. Yes. Well, it's not, it's not yes. a real channel, but ESPN2 on one weekend every year oh, turns into the Ocho. Yes. Okay. And yes, they initially did it. initially proposed. Okay, because they did it and they the do um, all these like fringe sports. They do uh, sign spinning, cherry pit spitting, marble runs, putt-putt golf, arm wrestling, foosball, air guitar. They did a documentary on foosball and another competition. This one caught my eye when I was reading the, 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 the layout for the day. It's dodge juggling. And that's oh. where a person on a team throws a dodgeball at five three-club jugglers. No, I like that. <laughs> I, I, it's funny that we're making fun of the fringe sports, but you said they went from soccer. Uh-huh. To corgi racing. All this is better than soccer. That's true. Like, ironically, it's all an upgrade from watching mm-hmm. people play soccer. Mm-hmm. Air guitar, corgi racing, Foosball. dodge juggling. Food. I would watch it all over soccer. <laughs> the weekend I we have, began our... I have post-traumatic stress from the... From the named dodgeball because i grew up in farm country so the farm girls and boys were really strong and i was like such a weakling and they play dodgeball and it would like you would be like hurt so badly when you got slammed with the ball oh yeah that was the point yeah dawson awful. sorry the weekend we started our dark week the ocho carried the grocery bagging oh, champion. I want, I want in. <laughs> certainly should have been doing color a can yeah. yeah, can can we... cream corn can above we... uh, Nilla wafers? I don't know about that, Stu. Back to you. <laughs> I'm sorry to call an audible here. Can we see a few minutes of that? Because I have thoughts. I have thoughts how grocery should be bagged. Brian was a champion bagger. I'm well, very, he was a bagger. I'm very good. Yes. Yeah. All right. One more, Gina Grad. <laughs> All right. Well, Adam, you have... Oh, there's, uh, there's Phil. Uh, we'll show you a picture of uh, Phil. Look at the, his oh, span. Oh, my God. From tail to hindquarter. Yeah, he's lying oh. on a queen-size bed, and he's taking oh. the entire bed up. Natalia seems thrilled. <laughs> she, she's got it going on. That's a beautiful bed. It is. Uh, this is Phil in a, oh. in a church in a fountain. And Phil, like, there's a guy who works at the church who just looks at me and goes, hey, we can't have your dog in our fountain. I'm like, I wish I had a choice. He gets into the fountain. It's like, well, we'll get him out of the fountain. Well, how do we do that? He's enjoying the fountain. He will be in the fountain until he's done enjoying your fountain. You need a crane. There's a... There's Phil sleeping while workmen dig out a tree stump, and he literally gets two feet away from their shovels. Two and feet? Lit- Must lit- he sit that closely to people working? He he literally he'll sleep next to someone operating a a a Briggs and Stratton powered wet saw. Like he'll just. Does he have mono? I don't know. <laughs> All he does is he finds people who are doing things and he lays down next to them. What? What? On this podcast. Right. When we're podcasting. He, he does just, it here all the time. He just he just splays out wherever some somebody's working and at some point they'll feed him. Oh. All right. <laughs> I want to come back as Phil. This is uh, Phil's greatest moment is Dr. Drew and myself were doing a podcast in this studio and Phil decided to check out what was going on in the booth 
and he got up on his hind That's legs good. and he put his huge paws up on the, which is, by the way, is four feet above the ground. Yeah. And he decided to give a look-see to see what was going on inside of the booth where all the equipment was. So uh, we'll put it up on adamcarolla.com. It's but it's, it's a funny picture, right? It's like, great. It's like, what's going on in there? Yeah. Drew's amused as well. He wanted to see if there was any extra socks he could chew on. Yes. Get sick over. Uh, so, Adam, we all know you paved the way for this many years ago. Pioneer, people called you names. People burned you in effigy. But now it's cool not to shower. We know because between Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. As and- soon as we find good-looking people <laughs> to engage in gross behavior, then all of a sudden uh-huh. it's good. Yeah. Oh. When ugly people and fat people go, I don't want to shower. They go, you fucking pig, you wouldn't. But when Ashton Kutcher announced, oh, more wisdom at the hem of the garment of, well, of his highness. When you become traffic czar of this fine city, you need a good-looking proxy just yes. to go on and like unveil all your policies. That's I was true. like, yes, you need he's a, a genius. Yes. Yeah, I'll get Kutcher. Well, I have the patron saint of not bathing, and I think we can all agree that his name is... Is Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah. He bathes in the sea. <laughs> He's getting right. in on the act. He says he doesn't bathe. He doesn't wear deodorant. And you want to know what he smells like? Mm. A man. Yes. <laughs> That's oh. what he says. He wants to smell like a man. <laughs> now, his Tropic Thunder co-star Yvette Nicole Brown was asked, what does he really smell like? What does that mean, a man? She says, he smells like granola and good living. <laughs> That's all I can say. He has a sweet scent that is just him. It's not musty or crazy it's good living but yeah. you gotta be super hot right or else you gotta be disgusting. hot you gotta be rich but, and hot yeah when i was young there was four, I'm, I'm one of five four girls and a boy and my, you know we were irish so we didn't there was we didn't a lot of mince words we never said i love you or anything like that and so my father <laughs> said to my brother son i have something for you and he handed him a deodorant and he goes if you stink no one likes you <laughs> he gave it to him. words to and live by he, that was it that's all he needed that's yeah. all I needed. All right, well, right to the point. <laughs> but once McConaughey does it, then oh, it, it makes it okay yes. for, for everyone else. But also, you kind of think of the how you interpret scent. So, like, if there's a homeless guy standing next to you and you caught a whiff of him, you'd be grossed out. Mm-hmm. But if that exact same scent was coming from McConaughey, <sighs> you would not be grossed out. Take a big whiff. So he can pull it off. Yeah. All right, let's bring it home. You got it. I'm Gina Grad, and that's the news. I can't stop talking. Gina, Gina. <laughs> that was the news. That's attractive. Gina that's Grad. All right, let me hit Solo Stove here. Day or night, a smokeless fire pit from Solo Stove turns summer moments into unforgettable moments. This is a very nice piece of stainless steel quality construction. Start a little uh, fire and you use the solo stove, whether you're camping or just hanging out in your backyard. Solo stove creates story-worthy moments without the fumes. Stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. So little smoke, you wonder... How come there's so much fire? Easy to light, just a few bits of starter. Lifetime warranty. You get a 30-day free return policy. This is a beautiful piece. You deserve it. Step it up. Summer's almost over. Get your stove going and let it roll into the the uh, winter and the fall and all else. It's Solo Stove, right, Dawson? No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo Stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use promo code ADAM at checkout. Just go to solostove.com. And remember, you get $10 off when you use promo code ADAM. Rushed is the name of the movie, available in theaters as well as streaming on Apple and Amazon on Friday. And uh, Siobhan Fallon Hogan is her name. So next time you're in L.A., come by and uh, say hi to us. Absolutely. I can't thank you guys enough, really, for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for contributing so much to the show. So I'm going to be live everywhere, Minneapolis, Acme Comedy Co. this weekend. And then I'm going to Catalina Island to do shows, Royal Oak, Michigan, and Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, Solana Beach out here at Belly Up, Chicago Park West. I'm everywhere. Just go to AdamCarolla.com. And until next time, this is uh, Adam Carolla for Siobhan Fallon Hogan and Gina Grattenball Bryan saying mahalo. You better start praying or you're going to hell, you idiots. 
Follow the Adam Carolla Show on Twitter at Adam Carolla Show. Follow us on the Twitter at Adam Carolla. You can catch Gina Grad on the podcast, Easy Listening, Bald Brian on the Film Vault, the rest of us on the Water Cooler. Leave us a voicemail on the show at 888-634-1744. And get your tickets to see the Ace Man. They always sell out. So get them now at adamcarolla.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Hey, all you fine people out there. JB Smooth here. You know life can get you down sometimes. Maybe you lack a sense of purpose, no drive to win, and no inner peace. That's why you need to listen to my new podcast with Team Coco. It's called May I Elaborate? Daily Wisdom from Me, J.B. Smooth. And it's going to change your life. Every day on May I Elaborate, I read a new quote from one of those page-a-day calendars, and then I go in. I explain these quotes, and then I apply them to your life so you can level up as a human being. This show will keep you motivated and inspired so you can be the best you you can possibly be. Now imagine waking up each day with a pep talk from me, dropping these precious jewels in your damn ear. Woo! You can't lose! So join me Monday through Friday on May I Elaborate. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcast. Make me your daily routine and watch your life change. Wake up, fool! And don't make me come and get you. Ha <laughs> ha!